Tamar Munch is with us to tell us what she has been viewing. Morena. Morena. Um, <laughs> that was I a, can. That was a what pregnant I, pause. It was a pregnant for your brilliance, but. I, <laughs> well, I was going. What do I start with? Um, I will kick off with the new look because that's just um, started as of yesterday. Uh, on Apple TV Plus. Um, so the new look, this is uh, the title of the show is taken from Christian Dior's uh, 1947 fashion collection and it signalled a new era of post-war optimism and a sense of life returning to normal. Um, it stars Ben Mendelsohn, he plays Christian Dior, and Juliette Binoche plays Coco Chanel and they were in real life rival French fashion designers. When the series opens, it's 1955, and um, Coco Chanel is she's about to launch her first collection since she closed her boutique at the beginning of the the First World War. Uh, sorry, the Second World War. Um, she's seizing the moment to she, she she's doing this kind of you know relaunch, and she seizes the moment to criticise Dior um, to the attending press. And that scene is intercut with this sort of simultaneous moment where Christian Dior is being honoured with a retrospective at the Sorbonne and a student stands up and challenges him for making clothes for Nazi wives during the war while Chanel had shut her business during the war. So that's kind of, that sets the scene of sort of this rivalry and we're taken quickly back in time to 1943 occupied France and Dior's complicated history is sort of revealed in more depth and it mostly uh, without, I mean, I've seen three episodes which is what's available at the moment and then there there are more episodes coming out each week after that. Mostly the way the story has gone so far is that yes, he was making posh frocks for Nazi wives and girlfriends um, but he leveraged that job to garner intelligence and to help fund his sister Katrin and her comrades in the French resistance. So the show is is set against the backdrop of the world, the war, but we're seeing everything play out. It's kind of through this lens of this very rarefied group of people. They're they're loaded and they're really well dressed, and you know it's French fashion designers and Nazi generals and and swanning around these ridiculous events. There's not a lot of mention of the grim reality of war. So, you know, you sort of go into it, I don't know, you probably may need to go into it knowing that. It's kind of you're very much seeing how the other half lived. Um, And it's a little bit awkward, right? Because arguably the story being told is a compelling one, but the show is creating protagonists out of people who at best were morally compromised and at worst particularly in the case of Chanel, she was a social climbing opportunist and a virulent anti-Semite and a Nazi sympathiser to some degree. Um, And Juliette Binoche, in saying that, plays a great role, but it's you sort of watching her with through gritted teeth a little bit. And I feel like it probably didn't help that when I started watching this, I'd just seen... um, a preview of Jonathan Glazer's, Glazer's The Zone of Interest, which is up for a bunch of Oscars, and it's also coming out next week here. And and that film is about a Nazi commandant and his wife building this idyllic, idyllic life for their family in a house and garden directly next to Auschwitz. And the difference between The Zone of Interest and The New Look is that in Glazer's film, he meticulously has crafted it so that 
although the characters in the film live their life completely oblivious to the horrors next door, as an audience member, you are viscerally aware, even though it's not visual on screen, you're viscerally aware of what's happening and, and the dissonance between the lives of this Nazi family and those the lives of those beyond the wall is, is crushingly loud. Um, and, and I don't think that the creators, to be fair to the creators of the new look, I don't think that they set out to to tell that kind of story. But it, it just struck me that it's really hard to make a show about flawed real people living very luxe lives during one of the worst times in world history. Um, that's, and, that said, would you recommend it as well, a what I was gonna say, experience? Yeah, it's got terrific DNA as a show. You know, it's got an incredibly great cast. In addition to Ben Mendelsohn and Juliette Binoche, it's got John Malkovich and Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones and Emily Mortimer. The guy that is the showrunner creator did Bloodlines and wrote for Sopranos, and he's got a really great track record of drama. And I wrote the notes that I wrote down of this is the first episode was um, uncomfortable morality, dreadful accents, nice costumes. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So, there's you tomorrow's go. review. We could have done that There's my one-line review. Yeah, exactly. I could have said all of that, and it could have just been four points. I, I would have not done I, the preamble. I'm really keen to get to the next one. Now, Strife is streaming on three now from Sunday. I was just talking earlier to Bill about how much I'm enjoying our local streaming service yes. apps from the two free-to-air broadcasters, although they're both struggling financially with the transition uh, their their apps are pretty tidy and there's a lot to view on them in fact they're excellent uh, Strife who's the um, who is the lead actor it's uh, Asha Asha yeah so people she's very recognisable she was in Offspring and she's a terrific dramatic actress but she's also got a really great sort of comedic timing um, and this is very much it's a half hour show half hour series and it's kind of in that dramedy genre so it's dramatic but there's some quite she's quite funny um and it's set in the early days it's 2012 so set in the very early days of blogging and online media and she plays a character called Evelyn Jones I think a journalist and she's a separated mother of two she's launched Australia's first woman's website and when we meet her she's rushing around getting ready for work she's talking to her kids on the phone she's scoffing cold pizza um, out of the fridge for breakfast and then she jumps in the car and she's badly navigating Sydney peak hour traffic, you know, rushing woman syndrome and all that. And the series is based on a memoir by a woman called Mia Friedman who was a rising star of Australia's magazine industry and she quit in 2007 to launch Mamma Mia, which started as a website and has gone on to become a big media, digital media company over there. So who... Mia Friedman's success was very much that, you know, it was a combination of good writing and she, she was very, um, she, she wrote about herself. She was a relatable working mother and she was kind of disarmingly honest about her failures and observations and things like that. So in this show, the names of the publishing houses and things have all been changed, but we're very much in the fast, well, fast moving world of media. Uh, you know, there's lines is it like Australian. I'm assuming. Yes, it is, it is okay. Australian. Yeah, okay. it's, yeah, so Sydney. It's we're in Sydney media, right. and uh, yes, I mean, there's there's no real companies named, but 
but you kind of can tell that you know there's the ACP magazine likenesses and things in there. There's, a, there's, a, there's another interesting connection here. I'm seeing that it's made by Made Up Stories, the company that uh, produced Big Little Lies and Nine Perfect Strangers. Both of those, of course, from books by uh, Leanne Moriarty. Yes. Uh, but she doesn't seem to have a particular link here, and it's not one of her books here. But they do have a certain style, don't they, for people familiar, certainly, with Big Little Lies. Is yes. that the kind of vibe we get here? Yeah, it is. It's, this is probably a little lighter frothier in, in a way like well, no not one gets got, chucked down the stairs yeah, the yeah start, right? there's not kind of the same big drama you know mm. but it's it's kind of more I, I guess it's more in reality because it is based on somebody's real life as opposed to a book of fiction um, and I think that's the thing with Asha Kitty. She is a she's a really relatable actor on screen as well she does a really great job of just little things. She gets out the car and she walks across a, the boom, the, the garden to get to the front door rather than going around. Just there's some great little moments that just are like, yeah, you do yeah. that when you're in a hurry and you're stressed. And you, you Alrighty. Know. So on balance, recommending? Yeah, look, I think for anybody who works in the media or even has a passing interest in media in the media industry. Yeah, it, not, many, it, not many of them left, but anyway, it, <laughs> I'll be hoping for a bigger audience than that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but for those who enjoy those, uh, that is a setting for stories, right? It is. Okay. It is. And I feel the way the first episode finishes, you feel like you're sort of going to be in for a bit of a, a ride with her and with the business. Okay. So I feel like, it, yeah. It, Two minutes it left, which yes. is probably more than enough to yeah, discuss enough. the final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is streaming on Neon. Yes. So this is the 12th and final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. 12 seasons is pretty epic for a show, right? So for anybody that doesn't know, I think it's been going for 15 years or something over those 12 seasons. I don't quite know. This is Seinfeld creator Larry David. He's playing a version of himself. He's a misanthropic television writer and producer. And it's basically, it's like Seinfeld, the show about nothing. He just gets into Peter's gobbles and cringeworthy misadventures with his friends and his enemies and his celebrity LA layabouts. Um, it's the complete opposite, actually, of the new look in that the show has been created with the express, express purpose of heroing anti-heroes. <laughs> and it's the comedy is in that, that we are, we are laughing along at this completely misanthropic old grumpy man. Is it getting a um, bit tired? What's happened since it started? A lot's happened. Oh, in the nothing world, happens. You know? I mean, in a way, there's no real like. Yes, there has been some narrative moving forward over the course of the time, but it's kind of not why you watch it. Yeah, you know, it's and it's I more think with a, he is a character. As I said, yeah, the, the, exactly. The world's had a lot happened on fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago, it felt like I'm trying to think when that was. What well, was twenty eleven? It had its issues in New Zealand, certainly. But you know, you just you just wonder: have they made a good call to make the last one? I think they have, and he's still dealing with some quite topical issues, especially in America, but everywhere around race and um, yeah. social culture and things like that. There are, he's still he's still got stuff to say, yeah. and I think he says it in a his way. Own that, way. In his own grumpy ago, way. Fifteen years ago, of course, was two thousand and nine, so we were GFCing instead. Exactly. Yeah. Thank there you. you.